Increased use of web applications has improved operations, efficiency, and in some cases, functionality. But it also has opened doors for increased threats. SQL injections and cross-site scripting are common attacks for which web applications have increased vulnerabilities. So how should organizations address these threats as they continue to rely more heavily on web-based applications? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with Sarb Simbi, past president of ISACA's London chapter and a member of the organization's GRA regional subcommittee. Sarb, ISACA has issued a white paper that addresses some of the vulnerabilities now becoming more commonplace as a result of increased use of web applications. Can you give some background about common vulnerabilities ISACA has identified? Uh, yeah, uh, in the paper, basically uh, what ISACA has tried to do is not to reinvent the wheel and start listing some of those vulnerabilities which may be minor, which may be upcoming. They're more for the very, very specialist types of things. Now, what, what ISAC has tried to do uh, is identify and get people to consider those vulnerabilities that are common, that keep occurring time and time again, which in this day and age we shouldn't have. So, for example, we've got um, SQL injection, we've got cross-site scripting, we've got insecure direct object reference, we've got information leakage, and something that's known as insufficient uh, anti-automation uh, attacks, which are usually um, referred to as denial-of-service attacks. And then what do you see, Sarb, as the top trends or challenges for application security pros in 2012 where fighting some of these vulnerabilities is concerned? Uh, the challenges are that... Um, if, I think if you look at originally uh, or going back, it's, it's in training and the way that application programming has come about. A lot of people pick up application programming um, sometimes as a hobby, sometimes they learn it, sometimes it's taught to them uh, as part of what they do, sometimes it's at university. And the interesting thing is, more often than not, they just pick up whatever they need to pick up and they get along and they do it. It's a bit like learning, uh, learning to ride a bike. You don't get taught, you don't go to school about it, you just get up and you get on and do it. And that's one of the exciting things, I think, about web applications. So the challenge there really is, is to challenge the way that people learn. And the reason why we need to challenge that is because the fact that when people are learning to program uh, web applications, what they're not learning are the vulnerabilities and the problems they'll have if they do not code properly. So what's missing there is training and uh, training on coding securely as opposed to just coding. So that's, that's the, one of the biggest challenges around. And second to that uh, is, is, is an understanding of the complete life cycle of an application and where you need to start thinking about security. Many people at the moment tend to think about um, you know, uh, the, the challenges and, and the security at a much, much later stage in development. What we try and do is encourage them to start thinking about security at the design stage, which is very, very early on. So they're the two key challenges, I think, and everything else will effectively flow straight from these two, two key challenges. That probably answers, at least in part, my next question, and that is why are organizations continuing to struggle with some of these old types of vulnerabilities that we see? The one that stands out to me, of course, is SQL injections, and I'm wondering if it's just because they're not going about the design of the web application process in the right order. Yeah, it's, it's partly to do with that, but it's also partly to do with the fact that um, 
now today we've got so many applications which didn't used to be uh, web applications but uh, local authorities in, in the UK uh, health authorities uh, and so on so if you look at UK where we operate for example everything is going towards web applications if you look at that and assume that it's copied around the world in the Western world everything whatever used to take place uh, with the public sector, everything's becoming web-enabled. And because it's becoming web-enabled, and people are expecting uh, to be able to develop these projects very, very quickly, they're finding that the developers, one, they haven't got the training, as you're right in the way that you asked the question, but also on top of that, what they've done is they've built a web uh, application at the front end of what was a legacy application. And because it was a legacy application, there's probably some code sitting in there which shouldn't be sitting there, and that's insecure. And when you just attach a web front end, you haven't really uh, engineered it for security. You've just created a front end to make things easy uh, to process more than anything else. So because we've got lots of legacy applications, we've got new applications um, where, where people are developing these without the right training, but also they're developing them without realizing what the problems are in existing code and in the existing databases that they may not have considered. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, actually. And one of the things that Isaka notes is that many of these attacks are not likely reported. And I wanted to ask about that. How much greater is the risk, do you think, based on the attacks that are not reported? And why are organizations not reporting these attacks? Um, <laughs> The easy uh, response to that is that they're not reporting them because if they started to report them and make them public, um, for example, if, if, if I was running um, an organization which was a health organization or I was holding personal information about people or I was holding uh, credit card data about people uh, and, and financial data, basically if, 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 if our organization did have a problem and we announced it, then we would be... <laughs> subject to lots and lots of lawsuits. And I think the key thing is that people are worried that if they make um, you know, the breaches available uh, that have taken place, any attacks that have taken place, that they will then be subject to lots and lots of uh, lawsuits. But also, apart from that, it's the, it's the damage it will do to the brand of the company. And that damage is, is, is very, very important. Uh, if, if we look at some of the data breaches and, and, and the attacks that we've seen in the last few years, the um, TJ Maxx uh, breach that took place, I know that they recovered from it, but it did affect the brand for a period of time. And I think that's one of the underlying reasons why they're not reported. Um, and the other one is in terms of finance sector, what tends to happen is the losses that they have, they are often, in many cases, absorbed as, just a part of part, part and parcel of running a business. They're, they're considered to be relatively small in some respects, so they're not a, a major part of the business and they carry on operating that. It's just part and parcel of a risk of running a business. So there's a whole variety of reasons. It's built into the business model. It's going to damage a the brand. They're worried about legal actions. Um, and there could be a combination of these amongst many others, but the major ones are these three. And what recommendations does ISACA provide for improving security? Uh, in the white paper, there's, there's, there's a, a combination of, of recommendations. 
there are, I'm not going to go in all of them in great detail, but there's nine of what I identified as areas of, of focus, which are around web application security, and 11 which focus on control objectives of COVID. And many people uh, listening to this will probably be familiar with COVID. Uh, and it makes the paper makes it easy for those people that are familiar with COVID to pick out and relate to those six, uh, uh, specific and particular control objectives that are relevant to web application security. The focuses, for example, uh, that, that are covered include training, they include the supply chain. So, for example, if um, an organization is to code securely, what they need to look at is in their supply chain, when they're buying components, that are plugins to their technology, are those components developed um, in, in a secure way? Because if they are insecure, what's happening is that the organization is purchasing through the supply chain things that may well make their infrastructure and their development uh, infrastructure vulnerable due to the, the, the components that they're using. So that's another one. Uh, policies and standards. So there's a whole variety of them. There's about 20 in all. Uh, nine on the um, focus side, on, on the web application uh, focus side, and uh, 11 which are to do with control objectives. Now, I want to go back for just a moment and talk a little bit about the skills gap in the professional security and IT sphere. What areas do application security professionals need to develop? Um, yeah, it depends uh, in, in terms of where in the application um, development that they're involved in. You know, you, you can get architects, you can get coders, uh, you can get designers. So, so there's, there's a variety of, of, of different skills and, and, and roles there. And I think um, one of the most key ones is to uh, in the design and designing security in. That is so important and recognizing where you would fit things in, architectural as well, in terms of making sure that everything, that the whole application is being architected, uh, and the database, uh, the web server, everything has been architected in such a way, as well as the code and how the code hangs together, in a way that it's secure. So, you know, those are, those are two of the many key skills. However, at the lower level, in terms of actually coding the application itself, um, you know, there are a variety of organizations that do run very, very specific coding courses depending on which coding language and, and development environment that you're using. And they are key as well. And they're going to become, enough, I, I believe that uh, as people get skilled and as security becomes more and more um, recognized as being important, these, these people will be highly sought after, uh, in, in particular those that have been trained and have got a track record of, of showing the, the worth of the security that they've built in. And then as application security becomes more of a focal point, how do you think that these professionals will have more influence, if at all? Um, I, I think that, that they'll have more influence in terms of, um, and, and the way I look at it is, is an analogy that a lot of people in, in, in software tend to use. Um, it doesn't apply completely, and we all know that, but you know, in terms of designing a car, if we look at the way that cars used to be designed um, 100 years ago, and we look at the way that cars are designed now, now, the, the, the cars do have, um, in many respects, a very, very high degree of safety. And I understand that safety in, 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 in motor cars has been um, something that's been pushed by regulation. However, 
if we look at the way that it's grown, everything is getting better and better. It's getting safer and safer. They're becoming more economical. And I think in terms of um, applications, these professionals will become um, highly skilled individuals that will influence the, the direction that many of these applications are going to go. Um, and, and, and I do believe that they will be very influential in making the design, uh, the design of the application more streamlined, uh, making them so that you know the, the front end of what might be considered a major application is streamlined to a variety of different systems that all sit in the background and connect to each other, perhaps. So you know they, they will be influential in, in, in many ways, I believe. And then before we close, Sarb, what final thoughts would you like to share with our audience? Um, I, I think the key thing is that um, we, we all need to understand that the, the key thing here is, is always education. It's education at schools, education at universities, uh, education within the environment. It's educating our stakeholders. It's educating the developers and making sure that we are pushing that agenda because um, if we're not pushing that agenda, it will get left behind. If we haven't got budgets for education within uh, a development team uh, and we don't put in a budget because we think there isn't a budget, I think what we're doing is we're letting ourselves down. If there isn't a budget, we should put a budget in. If we carry on putting a budget in two or three years, uh, four two or three years, two or three years from now, we may well end up having a budget because we put it in that many times. We've tried to justify it. Every year we change uh, how we present and justify the budget, but at some point or another, what we're doing is we are educating um, our funders, so to say, that we do need training. Training is important, and it needs to be right across the board. Uh, and, and I think, you know, as long as we carry on pushing that, that's, that, that's really going to help uh, the long term. I want to thank you again for your time today, Sarb. Okay, thank you. Not at all. Pleasure. Again, we've just heard from Sarb Sembi of ISACA. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.